y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table. See how you doing, girl? Oh, I am so good. Even though, you know, we, we've survived 2017. We're now in 2018. Praise the Lord. So All right. doing pretty 20, good. 2017 tried to take us out, y'all. Tried to take us out. <laughs> it it did have plans. <laughs> Wait a minute, though. Where, 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 where's, where's Michelle? Where's she at, girl? Oh, uh, well, you know, she did survive 2017, praise the Lord. And yes, she did. is doing well, but we're going to let her rest up today. She's been involved in a lot of good work in the city of St. Louis, uh, serving folks in her community there. And so she's not with us today, but we are not without a third person. Yes, because this is our Black Girl interview episode. I'm sorry, Black Girl Magic interview episode. (laughs) And today, our Black Girl Magic spotlight is on Amina Brown. Welcome to the table, Amina. Oh my gosh, thank you. I am doing the big head bounce. I'm so happy to be here. I I don't do graphic design in any way, but I've been trying to figure out how I could Photoshop myself onto the Truth Table logo for this episode. So it's not it's not going to look right. It's going to be like me. It's going to be like a selfie of me trying to drink some tea. No, it needs to be a meme with you doing the bankhead bounce. It needs to be. Okay, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on that. Yes, and I can see your bankhead bounce in the spirit. It goes hard. It goes hard. I can see it. I can see it because I'm doing it with you, girl. Oh, my gosh. Let's bring that back immediately. Let's bring it back. Bring back the 90s, okay? Uh, Well, you know what, listeners? We are totally honored to have Amina Brown at the table with us. Why don't I tell y'all a little something about her, huh? Uh, Now, Amina Brown is a poet, speaker, author, and event host. Named one of Rejuvenate Magazine's top 40, under 40 change makers, Amina is the author of five spoken word CDs and two nonfiction books, Breaking Old Rhythms and her latest release, How to Fix a Broken Record. Now, she has performed and spoken at events across the nation, such as Creativity World Forum, If Gathering, and Chick-fil-A Leader Cast, as well as touring with Gunger and Voskamp and The Voices Project, Historically Black College and University Tour. Amina is also the host of the limited edition How to Fix a Broken Record podcast about her book of the same name and the co-host of the podcast, Here for the Donuts. She and her husband, DJ Ope Diggy, travel and perform together, and they also host a regular open mic in Atlanta every fifth Thursday at Urban Grind Coffee. Welcome to the table, Amina Brown. Oh my gosh, thank y'all for having me, y'all. I feel super official, like (laughs) really super official right now. That is oh. funny. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> well, so 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 my guess is, Amina, that most people who are li- will be listening in will know who you are for sure. But maybe some people might not know who you are, and maybe you want an opportunity, or I'm inviting you to take this opportunity to introduce yourself to us. Let us know who you are, how you see Amina. Uh, we we'd love to get to know you even more today. I will take this opportunity because when I go in Target, like nobody knows me. So, Hello, and they should. You know, I figure I should always be prepared to introduce myself because when I'm in Target, you know, looking over there in the discount Hello. area, no one's Hello. like, is that Hello. Amina? 
you know like please yeah no one is there (laughs) so um wow that's such a big question in a way it's like (laughs) such a simple question but it's like a big question Mm -hmm. um i am southern i'm southern born and raised (laughs) so i am very uh biscuits and collard greens um candy yams like i'm very very much into that I have a very auntie style of living. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was actually telling Akimini about this around New Year's. I actually had a friend text me like, hey, you know, like we're having this get together. And I was like, oh, girl, I can't go. I have beans and greens on the stove. And as soon as I typed that, I was like, what are you doing like with your life? <laughs> And you've reached black mean, auntie yeah. status. Yeah. You've reached it. Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's so huge. early. Huge. So, um, <laughs> you know, those are personal life things that I like to be about. <laughs> um, professionally, vocationally, I am a spoken word poet and author. This year, 2018, will be 21 years that I've been performing spoken word poetry. That feels wow. so crazy wow. to say, uh, but it is true and it has been. Uh, so shaping for me just in my faith journey Mm. as a woman, finding my voice in that, finding the power of what it means to stand at that microphone and tell my Mm. story has been really, really shaping for me. Um, What else can I tell you? I feel like those things are pretty good. I love music. I love hip hop and soul music in particular. Mm. So I'm just, I guess I should say I love my hip hop and I'll just leave it like that. I know that's right. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. No, actually, that actually leads into my question. For sure. uh, (laughs) Because first and foremost, you know, at Truth Table, all three of us are music lovers and you know, I believe hip hop is life. Uh, (laughs) Of course, behind Jesus, right? Right. Um, (laughs) Me behind, me behind. We ain't ain't idolaters over here. Come on now. Okay, now... uh, Now, now, what I found so fascinating, right, about how to fix a broken record, your book, uh, it begins, each part begins with um, references to artists and their albums. And so I, I just, I remember seeing Ndiaye in there, Beyonce, Kanye, Fred Hammond, whom I love, yes. uh, Coltrane, yes. come on, Coltrane, it's just, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, even the Wiz soundtrack, I was like, this is a very black book. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes. Yes, yes. This is a very black yes, book, and we appreciate that. Um, so, <laughs> and more, right? So you, re- you reference more people, um, but uh, more artists, I mean. So talk to us, though, about how you went about, first of all, choosing the artists, right, and the albums, and what music means to you. Yeah, I was actually inspired to do that by two books that I read prior to starting to write How to Fix a Broken Record. One of them is a memoir by Rob Sheffield called mm. Love is a Mixtape. And it's actually a memoir about his relationship to his wife who passed away suddenly. So he goes back to sort of retrace like how they met and into their relationship until, you know, this, I believe it was an aneurysm actually very suddenly Mm. um, when she died and how he marks time in the book is through these mixtapes they shared. Mm -hmm. And each sort of section of the book starts out with, Sort of that, you know, for those of us that grew up with cassettes, that like 
back of the cassette where you would handwrite, you know, the song <laughs> and the artist and that. <laughs> and I actually was really mad when I first saw the book because I was like, why he steal my title though? Like I really wanted that <laughs> title so bad <laughs> when I saw that it was already out there. I was like, dang. Then I read the book and I was like, man, it's a good book. Shoot. You know, uh, but I loved that, you know, uh, the way that he marked time in the book and also Quest Love's book, Mo Meta Blues was a really big inspiration for this, uh, which was also a memoir. But in Questlove's book, of course, because Questlove is like a, a music archive <laughs> within yes. his body, yes. right? Um, mm-hmm. His way that he marked time was also through talking about sort of in each era of his life, what was the music that he was exposed to at that time? What was the music right. that became popular at that time? Of course, I could never do justice to it the way that he did because he did it so well in his book. But I thought I really wanted to you know, just play off of the title of this book and just how much music has influenced the eras of my life and sort of do like a mini album review with some commentary as to why this album particularly applies to that area of my life, which was one of the most fun parts uh, of the book, you know, and I, of course I had other things I wanted to include. Like I remember in the section where I talked about the Wiz soundtrack, I really was thinking about a song actually (laughs) from the Wiz but I had to do the whole album because, you know, I was already there. Like I had to be consistent with uh, the other albums for the other parts, but I really wanted to just go in on Stephanie Mills version of (laughs) when I think of home, because nobody does that song like Stephanie Mills. Like I love Diana Ross, you know, and in Mm -hmm. the, in the movie, bless her heart. She did a great job, you know, but she can't do that. The way Stephanie Mills opened up, you know how she just has that like Stephanie Mills vibrato that's right there she waiting for it. you. I just she got it. <sighs> that's a different song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is good. You broke it all the way down. And for our listeners who don't know who Quas Love is, he's a, a member, original member of The Roots, the hip hop group. Legendary Google. Roots crew. Mm-hmm. Legendary Roots crew. Do your Googles. Yes. So- <laughs> thank, thank you, Akimini, for that moment in hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> just in case people know who we're talking about. It's about it. so, no, it's or, really or in case they thought that his career started with Jimmy Fallon. Continue. Yeah, well, uh, that's important. There you go. <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> Hilarious. Now, Amina, talk to us a little bit about your faith journey, actually. I grew up in a family, both sides of my family, just of church-going people. Uh-huh. And really our roots on both sides of my family are Pentecostal holiness church tradition. Mm, mm -hmm. So I grew up before I became a believer, just, you know, going to church with my grandma and seeing the choir sing and just that uh, I still like, I can close my eyes and still like see those old wooden pews and all the, you know, foot stomping and just like the rhythm Mm -hmm. of what it's Mm -hmm. like um, to grow up in a church like that. And just so many preachers and teachers and church mothers. I just come from generations of that uh, back to probably four and five generations above me and my family on both sides. So I really grew up around God, Mm. grew up around uh, spiritual things, grew up watching my grandmother go to the foot washing service and hold prayer Mm. meeting in her living room, you know, so Um, A lot of that now as an adult, I really treasure having had that experience just as a child 
my grandparents in particular, and then later my mom just really inviting me into their spirituality um, without even really explaining a lot of things, just that being very normal, that women come to my house and we pray in the living room and you coming in here with us and you're going to sit here with us while we pray and really experience the presence of God that way. So that's a bit of sort of how I was encountering God before I had my own relationship with Jesus. It was actually my mom really uh, rededicating her life to the Lord that led me to have a relationship with Jesus. I watched my mom just just go through a true metamorphosis spiritually. Mm, yeah. I really watched her whole life change after mm-hmm. returning to the Lord. And that that sort of turned Jesus real yep. in my yeah. eyes. Like, oh, this is like this experience of following Jesus. Like that's real. It actually has implications mm-hmm. in your life outside of when you go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was 12 years old when I prayed the prayer. I was very shy and withdrawn as a child. So I would be in church all the time and they'd give the invitation. I'd raise my hand, but I would never walk up to the front. (laughs) I was like, I'm probably going to die and not know God because I cannot get my life together to like walk down to the front. And so please, I was like, yeah, I'm not going down there, Jesus. You got to find me somewhere else. So The children's minister um, in our children's church, I remember her saying one Sunday, and of course now I look back on it, I'm like, man, the Lord, you know, led her to say that because she's freed Mm. me so much that day. But she said, you know, I just want to say to you all, you can ask Jesus into your heart anywhere. Come on. It doesn't have to just be in church. You can ask Jesus into your heart anywhere. He can hear you. As soon as she said that, I was like, whoo, I can be a Christian because I am having a hard time walking down to the front. So I asked Jesus in my heart in my closet. And I had a little sister. The reason why I went in the closet was because I knew it would take her two doors to get to me. Like she had to get into the door to my bedroom and she had to get into the door to the closet. So I knew that was like the only way I was going to have some privacy. <laughs> and uh, that's that's how I really began having a relationship with Jesus. So big shout outs to my mom for really showing her relationship, yeah. you know, to Jesus, to me, you know. Mm. Wow, that is amazing. Amazing. Absolutely right. I mean, I just, yeah, I can't help but to hone into, uh, Amina, you sharing your trepidation about walking down to the front and knowing that's something that's a part of your work now, that God has led you down to the front, in front of microphones, mm. right? So mm-hmm. um, from the closet to the mic, I mean, I just think that is um, just a profound measure of God's mercy and yeah. also shows your your transformation, just like your mom's, your transformation, that the gifts that God has put into you, you've used those things so well. So anyway, that's just my little rabbit trail of just a moment of, of praise for how the Lord works these things in our life. Um, Kimberly, what you got next? That was good. That was good. Cause you know, CB, she, she be, she be doing those little preaching interviews. <laughs> like, that's the word. Listen, like, I, I, I received Christina. it. I, like, I received it. I received it. I was like, that's a word. That's a word. Yes. <laughs> I, I was clutching a pearl. I'm not like, wait a minute. I clutched that's at least amazing. one pearl. That's amazing. That's amazing. She said the closet. I was like, come on now. I was like, I was like, next memoir. Um, <laughs> thank you. 
you, Christina. That's a really good Listen, word. Come through <laughs> subtitles. Come okay, through. Okay. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Hey, well, look, speaking of memoirs, we go, let's go into the book. Absolutely. How about that? Absolutely. How to fix a broken record. Now, let me tell you, it reads like I'm talking to my homegirl. I mean, you are my homegirl. But, right, right. <laughs> but it does read like that, which it's one of the many things that I really did love um, about the book. And so now I'm wondering, you know, as a writer, you know, we know that having full control of your voice is so important. So how did you maintain your voice while writing this book? I think this book, I had to make a a vigilant effort to be fully myself Mm -hmm. and to not let any expectations of what I thought the book should be or what other books are like invade that process. Mm -hmm. And I think with my first book, although I feel very true to the things I wrote there and I feel proud of it, I do think I came into the writing process for that book succumbing to the pressure and some of that pressure was was maybe things other people said. Some of it was pressure that I sort of took on myself. You know, that feeling of what what do books like this have to sound like? You know, what are the things we're supposed to say or whatever that is? And I really waited, first of all, to write this book until I felt I had something to say mm-hmm. versus coming into the book like, oh, it's time. Mm. Yep. Oh, it's it's time to write a book about whatever that is. So it felt like some of the messaging of this book was starting to just come up in my soul anyway. And I just really had to shut out a lot of that, what should this book be, and really try to be as true as I could to the story that I felt needed to be told, which for me was a 30-something story. It sort of is opening yeah. up mm-hmm. at my like, you know, 29, about to be 30 time frame in life and really goes into around my 35th birthday or so. So really just having to hone in on that time, you know, but it did take some vigilance to stick to that because there were a couple of chapters I wrote that I was like, oh, (laughs) I was like, oh, did you mean to say this much about this, you know, feelings, (laughs) but I needed to do it, you know, and some things I had to write in full Mm. and then go back and edit for what would go to the public. So there were some things in the early drafts of this book that I had to write out very, uh, very, not just boldly, but very, very honestly and very bluntly. But then in the editing Mm -hmm. to have the freedom to go back and say, I also get to decide how much of what privately has happened becomes public. And I think there was a lot of power in that, you know? Right. Okay. So now would you say the vulnerability of the book um, that you, that you give us, was that, more it sounds like was it more organic or was it like I'm going before God and I'm preparing myself to really open up myself was it was it both and or in your as you're looking back what do you think I think it might have been a both and I think I definitely walked into the process open to it just sort of open to the creative process and open to how the spirit leads that process yeah and I wanted this book to be this combination of like Here's some ignorant things I thought today, rights, 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 you know. And then like, here's this terrible thing that happened, rights, 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 you know. I wanted to be able to like write both of those things. So I walked into a very open, open handed, I think, to the process. But there were some, some spiritually landmark Hmm. moments Hmm. where I thought a section was going to go a certain way and felt God like, 
I can only describe it to y'all almost like God tapping. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I know you thought this section was going to be about that, right about this instead. And me being like, do you have other ideas? Because I do not (laughs) want to do what you're saying. I think you should come up with another idea that I (laughs) would rather do. And having to at least explore those ideas. And I would say some of the most vulnerable chapters in the book actually showed up like that. I didn't anticipate writing about some of the most vulnerable things that ended up in there. Or I thought I would write about them sort of in in the way that maybe made me look uh, heroic. Of, of <laughs> or, course, you of know, course. Made me look like, and here's this amazing <laughs> thing I've learned. Let's not talk about the ugly parts of how we ended up at that and God being like, oh no, girl, Mm-mm. let's get in there. Let's jump in and talk oh, about God. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. He does that. He does that. <laughs> so in, in some ways, when you describe that, I mean, it feels like, I mean, there's a part in which, to me, in which the book reads like journaling. There's like a therapeutic piece to this um, where you're sharing your story and you are so funny. Um, so funny. So funny. Um, and I think like that wit, I was telling Akimini earlier, I texted her and I said, you know, there are parts of this book that remind me of... Um, awkward black girl but it's almost like mm. sanctified mm. awkward black girl <laughs> and okay <laughs> takes notes adds to bio <laughs> I mean there, I mean you know that holiness Pentecostal background hello um, but, but no but really like there's this there's this sanctified awkward black girlness to this this book and I actually think that's part of the reason why I like it um I think there's such a warmth and an authenticity and the humor is um is what I think engages people who may not even necessarily feel like she's writing to me. And that's the question that I wanted to, to ask mm-hmm. you. I think um, some people are really conscious of conscious of their audience, like who they're speaking to. And I was curious is when you when you think about this book and you think about reading it to someone, reading it to another person, who do you see across the table from you? Who's the person that you're reading mm-hmm. your journey to and, and to what end? For what good do you want to see foster, be fostered in that person? That's a good question. <laughs> mm, come on, Truth Table. Um, we try, girl. We try. Listen, like, mm, that is profound. Writes questions to answer later. Okay. I told y'all she's funny now. She's funny. That is good. I think, I think she is a woman mm-hmm. who's sitting across from me, and she is a woman of color mm-hmm. when I think of her. I think she's also someone who feels on the fringes in some way. Either she feels on the fringes of faith that maybe maybe she identifies as a Christian, but she doesn't feel she doesn't feel like inside of the church. Mm-hmm. Or maybe mm-hmm. she is a woman who, in whatever her phase of life is, doesn't sort of has a bit of loneliness to that place Mm -hmm. or has a place where she doesn't all the way feel that she fits in. I feel like I'm always thinking of a woman that would say she is on the fringes or she is an outlier. I think that's who was, who stays in my mind, who was in my mind writing this book, who also stays in my mind when I'm writing poetry too. I'm always thinking of how can I articulate this in a way that if this woman that's in my mind, and sometimes it's a friend of mine, Mm. um, there are a couple of friends of mine that kind of fit that bill. And I think like, if I was trying to articulate this to her, what would I say? 
how would I want to speak about that? And I think that kept me from uh, leaving, uh, or I guess living in cliche a bit Mm -hmm. in the writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It kept me having to be very honest and very clear about the things I wanted to say. But that's that's how I would describe her that's sitting across the table from me. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that is good. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I like, I like how you said not living in cliche. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what really spoke to me about the book, um, is the authenticity and, you know, we value that here at Truth's Table. I mean, we kind of, you know, we, we kind of sort of hedge our bets on that now. And so we, I mean, we call ourselves Truth's Table now, so we kind of have to keep it real. And so, uh, so I really, really, one of my favorite chapters <laughs> of the book is Ministry of Disappointment. Well. Yeah. Um, because well. all of my life I had to fight. Um, <laughs> all of my life. Girl, child ain't safe in a house full of men. Mm-hmm. So this is, this really is one of my favorite. Uh, it's always like the saddest ones. I'm like, this is my favorite misery. And it's like, child, does she ever have anything happy going on? No, but, um, but Ministry of Disappointment is one of my favorite <laughs> chapters of the book. Okay. And in it, okay. You ask a profound question that uh, it just continues to speak to me and minister Mm. to me. Um, And so I want to quote you here. And you said, how do I keep believing the God who says no or wait when he knows how much that no or wait hurts me? And I was like, oh my gosh, she knows my life. (laughs) So (laughs) talk to, just talk to us about, can you unpack that for us and, and just really just speak to our listeners? Cause I know in this Christian journey in life period, whether you're a Christian or not, we're all, there's always things that we're waiting for, hoping for in this fallen world. We're not going to get everything that we we want, even good desires. Sometimes we don't get right. Um, And so can you speak to us just about uh, that quote and, and unpack that for our listeners because I just I think it's so profound um and it's something I carry with me often I'm gonna tell you that that was the hardest chapter in this book to write Mm -hmm. and that was one of the moments that I was looking at God like for real though right like Mm -hmm. no I don't I do not want to write this initially the frame Mm -hmm. of this book was me trying to think of areas of my life that I had broken records. And so there was initially supposed to be a whole section on my broken records about God. Hmm. And I kept trying to write it and wrestling, wrestling with it, could not just, could not come up with the stuff that was supposed to go in there and then figured out, well, this section's not necessarily about God. It's that my broken record about God is in the place of surrender. Hmm. That my broken record about God is that I cannot trust you to surrender my life to you fully, Mm. that I need to hold some parts of it and take care of those parts myself, because I don't know if you're going to answer in the way I want or in the timing, you know, that I want. So let me, you know, hold this. And I remember I went back to do just like the old school, like web brainstorm that you learned in school or whatever. I think we learned in elementary or middle school where you like put a word and then you put a circle around the word and you draw all these lines from it. What does the word make you think of? Oh, okay. And so I put in the middle of the web, surrender, mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. And then I drew the line. And the next sentence that came to me was, I thought I would be pregnant by now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no. But mm-hmm. I knew that mm-hmm. it was what I probably needed to write. 
mm. from my own soul. And mm. I think one thing about this chapter and about the question that you read is I think, you know, I grew up in a very um, testimony church culture, which I think testimony is beautiful and it's great and we should do it, you know. But sometimes the trouble with how we view that or how we elevate it maybe more than we should yeah. is it makes us feel like we should always have this like bow ending, this yeah. like mm-hmm. sitcom or movie ending to where it's like, oh, I, I went through that hard thing, but like, look at this blessing mm-hmm. or, you know, I asked God for that and it was hard for a little while, but everything's fine now. Mm. And to have to write about something where you have not arrived at the everything's fine. Yeah. And you don't know if you will arrive at the everything's fine Mm -hmm. or when you will arrive at it. And for me, that has been a very huge crux of me examining this relationship I have with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And is my relationship with Jesus hinging on God answering my prayers, period, or answering my prayers in the way I asked Mm. or in the time I said that I wanted it? And am I conditionally following you, Jesus, on the basis that you are supposed to answer those things? Mm. And will I continue to follow you if you don't? Mm. And will I continue to believe you are good even if you choose not to answer this for me, even if you choose to answer it for everybody else around me, except for me, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. will I follow you, Jesus? And that's the stuff that like makes me cry. Yeah. Those are yeah. like my real, real prayers in front of Jesus. And I'm, you know, at a space right now in my life and hope it's a space I, I stay in by the grace of God, but yeah. I, I can't, I can't leave Jesus. Mm-hmm. I cannot Mm -hmm. leave Jesus. So then I have to reckon with those places where I find myself disappointed. And I have to cry about that and be angry about it Mm -hmm. and pray to God about when I'm angry, (laughs) you know, and be honest with God about that and walk through these seasons with people who can hold space for that, you know? Um, But there are a lot of layers to that for me. Wow. Wow. Thanks so much, Amina, um, for sharing that. When I was listening to you, I was I was thinking about, uh, you know, Job and what it means to, um, yeah, hold on to the character of God when uh, you're not seeing what you think should be the evidences of God's love for you. And I, I imagine we have people who listen um, to Truth's Table, especially coming out of a year like 2017, who've experienced all kinds of disappointments, whether they're personal or, or, or social or relational. And um, I know that you're not at the end of your journey, but even in the middle of it, could you maybe share some encouragement or some thoughts um, for some of our listeners who are identifying with what with what you're saying? Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm learning in this process is not to push myself too quickly to move on if I feel mm-hmm. angry or if I feel grief or sadness, just really learning that even as, so I guess sometimes like my concept of where God is when I'm going through a hard thing, that my mind sometimes is imagining that God is only at the end when that hard thing Mm. is done. 
And I think what Mm -hmm. I'm learning through this process and what I would encourage anyone who's walking through uh, any kind of disappointment is that God, God is very present where you Mm -hmm. are in the middle of everything, even when it feels like everything is crumbling all around you, that Mm -hmm. there are, Mm -hmm. there are so many ways that God is present with you in that. And sometimes I have to really sit in those moments of anger or grief or sadness or disappointment. I have to sit in that with the presence of God in the same way that I would also sit uh, with joy in the presence of God too. And that, and that all of that is okay, that God wants us to really be able to come to him with all of that. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. So now um, we do want to pivot just a bit because we want to hear just a little bit more <laughs> if you don't mind, talking about just your writing, your writing um, process versus your performing. Like how does that, yeah. 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 Do they, does, does that process differ? And what does that look like? Can you take our listeners um, through what that might look like? Yeah. Those are actually three different processes for me, how the poems get mm-hmm. written, how the books get written and how the poems or mm-hmm. the content of a book gets ready for stage. That <laughs> Those are three very distinct right. things. Um, with books, I'm able to have maybe like a word goal when I'm writing a book of I'll, you know, I did that with my first book, trying to write a thousand or 1500 words every day. Or with this book, because it was more broken down into topics, I might in a week's time kind of take on that topic when, when there weren't things involved that made me cry my eyes out. When those sections came that I had to write one that cried my eyes out and then like go eat chocolate and <laughs> some donuts some something to just get myself you know in the mode to go back to writing because after you cry your eyes out you know it's kind of hard to want to go back and write so you know when I'm writing books I sort of get to have I guess more of like a regimen or a routine mm. um, even sitting down and and spending an hour writing can seem a lot more productive than it does when writing poems because you can actually walk away and be like oh at least I got you know through that section, I got, you know, 300 words or 500 words, whatever that is. Poems are highly uncontrollable. I wish they were more uh, controllable, to be honest. Like, um, I'm actually under a deadline right now to write a commission piece for um, a nonprofit organization. And normally it could take me like six to eight weeks. I was joking with Akimini that my poems are like Erica Badu albums, you know, like I'm just, <laughs> there's going to be another one. I just can't really tell you like when okay, it's going okay, to come okay. out, you know? Okay. So the poems are like very weirdly uncontrollable. So I was anticipating like, oh man, I know I'm kind of under a tight deadline here. And like that poem happened to like most of it came out within the first couple of days after getting the assignment. So and then sometimes I'll have mm-hmm. a poem that I think is a really dope idea. And like six months later, I just have four lines and it makes me so mm-hmm. sad, you know? So the poems, you kind of have to let them come out like they want to. You don't always get to control how they do. You just have to sort of wait and see how all the inspiration stews that way. And then I think the stage part is the most fun for me of the three processes, because mm-hmm. then you have all this like, content. It's like you're walking into the kitchen with, and all the spices are there and the type of flour you want to use is there and the chicken's there and the seasonal veggies are there. It's like walking in and like all the tools you need are there. That's what it feels like building a set. And that part's really, really fun. Thinking about what the stories are going to be and 
which poems and how to open. And even just in some of what we've you know talked about today, I think I'm learning even in my sets, I find myself uh, feeling like I have less to prove when I go on mm. stage. I used to always feel like I got to start with an extra dope poem to like prove to people <laughs> that they should listen to me for the next 60 <laughs> minutes, you know? And sometimes you do need to do that because sometimes people are like, you better get me in the first three minutes, girl, or I'm not here for any of it. Mm -hmm. But now mm -hmm. I'm learning to really sit in like where my soul is before mm -hmm. I go onto stage. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's opening up with a really vulnerable piece or sometimes it's telling some ignorant thing that happened to me, you know, two weeks before. So that part's fun, getting to build sort of how I get to interact with the audience in person. I love that part. Mm. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I guess my my next question, somewhat in that vein, I know you've so you've just completed this really great uh, body of work or piece of work, and I'm curious, what would you call your next chapter? Let's say if this this book went on for one more chapter or the next event or the the next stage that you see yourself going into, what would that be titled? If I could pick one word, it would be woman. Hmm. I just think the next, all the stuff that has coming out of me post book is very woman centered mm -hmm. and probably even more specifically, very like woman of color centered that mm -hmm. journey that I walk, the journey that I hear from the other women of color in my life too. But it's very woman. It's very like, what, what is womanhood? What, what are the different ways we all end up walking that path? And how does that look mm -hmm. based on our different cultural backgrounds and the things our mothers taught us and the different uh, routines and regimens we learned from them. All, all of that is what is swirling. So I feel like whatever's coming out next is going to be very centered on womanhood, I think. Mm, that's good. That right. is good. And, uh, you know, I, you have poured out so much uh, in this interview and, you know, typically um, in our Black Girl Magic interview, we'll do, <laughs> we have two different segments, right? But typically our sound off segment has been like the one that we featured heavily, but because you've just, you've given us everything you've got, um, we want, we want to have you do our lightning round, okay. which we need to come up with another lane. <laughs> Okay. This is your opportunity to tweet us yes, um, your thoughts uh, on yes, a name, exactly. please. But right now we're going to go with lightning round. <laughs> this is our lightning round. So we ask you fun questions, okay? Uh, actually, Christina has a fun one coming up, which you're going to love, I know. <laughs> yeah, so the first one coming up, you know, you've referenced this a couple of times, Amina, this, this, uh, this uh, donut love that you got going on. So can you talk about your, your passion and your love for donuts? Um, yes. I'm just going to go ahead and just communicate that you know, I, I <laughs> made a hard commitment in my life. You know, Hello. I made a commitment Hello. that I'm never going to stop eating carbs. I'm never well. going to. I'm, I'm well. going to continue to eat biscuits and pasta and donuts <laughs> because I, I don't understand why, why God gave us ingenuity to make flour, you know, well. if Come God on. didn't intend for us to also enjoy the blessings that come, on. come as a result. <laughs> So a part of that carb commitment and, you know, also my sister-in-law and I, you know, on our podcast and we host here for Absolutely. the donuts, yes. we are always telling people to just don't carb shame. You don't need to carb shame people. You know, if you're at O'Charlie's and you need to get that butter roll, you're at Golden Corral, you need to get Hello. that yeast roll, get in there. 
get you a biscuit sometimes. You know, oh, that's man. also a ministry that people need to be a part of. <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. Now, see, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, dang, I need a biscuit in my life. Okay, right. I like one of those right red now. lobster biscuits right Ooh, now. That, that oh, Cheddar Bay. Yes. I don't even know Hello. where Cheddar Bay is. I wish Hello. they would tell us where Cheddar Bay is. Because I would skip Red Lobster altogether and be like, why are we going in here? We might as well go straight to Cheddar Bay. Where we Absolutely. Go. He's on down the road to Cheddar Bay. But yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I got an, a, a, another lightning oh, round question for you. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be mad at me on Uh-oh. this one. Okay. Now, it's the one got to go. Now, you've seen these, you know, the memes on Twitter and everywhere yes. where they give you four impossible choices. Uh, well, I'm about to do that okay. to you right now. Okay, I'm ready. Right now. So, one got to go. Aretha, Shaka, Anita, or Whitney. Which one? And you Ooh. know, I'm only doing first names because you know exactly who <laughs> Aretha, Shaka, <laughs> Anita, or Whitney? Mm. Which one gotta go? Okay. Mm. Might be well. an unpopular opinion. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. uh-oh, uh-oh. But I'm gonna mm. say, I'm gonna choose... Gosh, it's so hard. I got like two names. <laughs> Look, I was about to guess. Oh, it's hard, it's hard. <laughs> Okay, this is a highly unpopular opinion. And a part of me just does not even want to say it out loud. Go ahead now. But I'm gonna have to go ahead and just, you know, I'm gonna have to go ahead and jump in there. I'm I'm gonna say Anita on that one out of those four. Whoa, and okay. I'm gonna tell you the reason why I'm saying Anita. Okay, okay. It's okay. because <laughs> I am not I love I love a good slow song. Mm-hmm. But I I ride for the other three because mm. there are a better mix of some funky dance songs along with That's some true. ballads. Whereas That's like, true. if you ride with Anita, you got to really stay in that caught up in the rapture of UBPM. <laughs> You're never going to see Anita doing a dance routine because the songs so don't true. be fast enough. So that's, that's why I'm a, I'm a ride with the other three on that. I think that's a fair point. You know, that is a yeah. fair point. But you know, Anita, you know, and the wines they did give us ain't no need to worry. That's now, true. That's, that's, a, that's a whole bop. There's a little something <laughs> there. <laughs> they're, they're pointing us to Jesus, but you're right. I didn't, like, you're right. Anita don't give us bops. Like, it's like you wanting some bops. dance from Sade. <laughs> like you're not, Sade's not here you for can, that. She's not really. No. You a little something. Remember, um, uh, uh, uh <laughs> you talking about Soldier of Love? Nothing, that you no, nothing can come between us. She that that that's a bob. Mm, you can no. move a little bit. You can move. <laughs> I mean, I, all right, I mean, all right. <laughs> I got but you. Right, she I moved. got it. It was like a little auntie hip sway. A li- <laughs> that's what it was. You know, that's I'll all. Take a snap. Hilarious. Hilarious. Sade be moving to her sad jam. She, <laughs> she <show does>. <laughs> Y'all gonna watch these hip moves. Y'all gonna watch this flat stomach of mine. And you gonna love it. And we gonna love it. We do love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, look, and you know Anita is going on tour in 2018. Yes. Oh. Which is why I even hesitated to like knock yes. her off right. my list because at the same time I'm out here in these internet streets like <laughs> Like a scene, like somebody got these tickets though. Does somebody know where we can get the tickets though? So, hello, I'm willing to travel. It's please it's, understand. It's, 
real. Hey, Robert Glasper and Layla. Oh my gosh! Look, look <laughs> listeners, I know y'all love us. Show us your love. Give Truth Table some tickets so we can go watch this together, and then we can do a podcast on it. Come on. And I'm just gonna <laughs> throw out there that by the time y'all get them tickets, just put the fourth one on there because I'm gonna have photoshopped myself. You might as well. And the logo. I'm gonna try to jump in there. Yeah. Four tickets. You choose the city, okay? And we will go. Please, please, thanks. But okay, so last but not least, question number three, Amina. If you could choose one superpower, what would it be and why? Again, here I am with the unpopular opinions. (laughs) But I still feel like I would choose to be able to give people whoopings that needed them. Oh, put a tang, put a tang. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that's an unpopular opinion because we're we're divided at this time of how effective we feel whoopings are or are not. Right, so I want right. to honor the people who <laughs> choose not to whoop. I want to honor you. I'm just we saying see. sometimes in our work lives and in our ministry lives, we come across people <laughs> who we realize maybe their character would have been bettered mm, had they mm. experienced <laughs> One good (laughs) whooping in their life. Because it just just really brings you to a reality. It really just shakes you up. It it helps you understand some things sometimes. So sometimes I wish I could just just swoop into some situations and be like, you cannot pull your weight on a work project. And it's because you did not get the whooping that you needed to help you understand that this world doesn't revolve around you. Oh my gosh. Amina, you out here meeting needs. Meeting needs. Yeah, you're dug in it. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. We are divided on this issue currently mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that was good. Well, you know, obviously that wasn't much of a lightning round. That's why we need y'all to send us um, a name for this segment. Um, <laughs> not go fast, but it was amazing. And I loved your answers. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, Amina, this is your time to. Tell our listeners what you've got going on, what projects you've got going on, shows you've got lined up. We want to support you. Where to buy your book? Okay, how to fix a broken record? Uh, Mm -hmm. Please, this is your time to talk to our listeners. (laughs) Oh yes! First of all, I'm just so honored again to be on Truth Tables Black Girl Magic episode. So shout out to y'all listeners and to the wonderful ladies of Truth Table. Um, I had to give my um, give an honor to God. You had to do that real quick. So, um, <laughs> okay, it's very important. The bishop of this house today. Okay, hello, so hello, hello. Uh, for for where you can check out the oh, things, good. my uh, latest book, How to Fix a Broken Record, is available wherever books are sold. So wherever you like to buy your books, you can go to there, and it is there. Also, I have a corresponding podcast that is a limited edition podcast. It's only 10 episodes, but it goes through the different sections of the book. So you can do that. Uh, Or if you like, I ain't got money to buy a book, you can listen to the podcast for free. So there that is, you know, just trying to be helpful for everybody's budgets out here. Also, (laughs) How to Fix a Broken Record is going on the road in 2018. So I would love for you to go to AminaBrown.com and see all of the dates there for where I might be in your city. And I am on all the social media things except Snapchat because I just mm-hmm. don't understand okay. what's That's happening. Right. <laughs> but everything else, I'm on there and would love to be your friend. 
Yay, yay, yay. Well, Amina, we want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us. Seriously, we are honored uh, to have you. So happy we got to read your book. I enjoyed it. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, And we want to thank our listeners for taking a seat at the table with us this week, of course. So let's keep the conversation going. And we did not forget, please tweet us an idea for the segment Um, because we need need some names. Um, And tweet us your thoughts about this episode and hearing from the lovely Amina Brown. Yeah. Uh, You can use the hashtag Truth's Table. And of course, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth's Table or email us your thoughts, as you guys often do, at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Now, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth's Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath, and our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Ephemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see y'all on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.